You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. These days, we're so used to the buzzing and pinging of our devices that it often becomes part of the general background noise. If you're in a busy environment, it can almost feel like an amorphous blob of electronic sound. But of course, these sounds don't just appear out of nowhere. Every single one of them was designed by someone. To make it into your phone or laptop, these little sounds probably went through multiple rounds of revisions and approvals. But even if a sound makes it all the way through that pipeline, that doesn't guarantee it's going to be pleasant. A good device sound is satisfying. And a bad one can stress you out. It turns out, this isn't just a matter of opinion. If we want the devices we use every day to sound good, there are actually some pretty concrete ways to do that. This story is brought to you and sponsored by the Adobe podcast, Wireframe. Here's host Koi Vin. Back in October 2015, if you were shopping in the United States, you might have heard something like this. The U.S. was transitioning credit and debit cards away from magnetic strips, those black stripes along the back of your cards, over to chip cards. Chip cards are more secure, but they can't be read by older machines. So stores needed new machines. Machines that made a sound like this. That sound is to remind you to take your card out of the machine. And for the people who work in stores with those devices, that noise can get really tiring. One day, sound designer Connor Moore walked into a local store with one of these chip readers. As usual, he started chatting with the owner. They're big Warriors fans, so I always uh, go in there and chat with them about the Warriors. I went to check out and I just noticed the, the card reader sound for some reason in that particular environment. It was that infamous <laughs> It just really cut through. And then I was like, wow, like that's crazy. You hear that all day? And he's like, yeah, man, it's, it's pretty annoying. But I take it you remember to get your card. So would you consider that sound to be a success? It is a very harsh sound, right? But at the end of the day, all these sounds have to be effective. In this instance, yes, it does get your attention. But there's many other ways that we can go about doing that. Sound is a special form of touch. Sound kind of tickles our sensory system and our brain, kind of in the way that the touch does. This is Susan Rogers. She's a professor of music production and engineering at Berkeley College of Music. She thinks a lot about how sound affects the brain. Susan says that we like or detest a sound because of either our association with it or its attributes. Association is what hearing the sound triggers in our memory. Susan has an association that still haunts her to this day. The sound I despise is the sound of a ringing telephone. And that's due entirely to an association. The sound of a ringing telephone would interrupt my sleep. Susan used to work for a very famous, very prolific musician as a staff engineer. Our typical work days were 20, 24 hours long. Uh, 48 hours was not at all uncommon. After which, all Susan would want to do is sleep. But then her phone would ring. After three or four hours, and it would usually be him with that beautiful low voice he had. And he'd pick up the phone and he'd say, Susan, ready? 
I associate to this day the sound of a ringing telephone with the sound of being hauled off. My freedom has ended. So for Susan, the sound of a ringing telephone isn't the problem. It's the association. When she hears that phone ring, it triggers her memory of interrupted sleep. But the other reason the sound can be annoying is its attributes. That's the quality of the sound itself. So a simpler way to to describe it would be like comparing sounds to fabrics. An octave might be like satin or silk. You run your fingers over it and it's smooth. But a minor second or major second interval, those low intervals, are similar to running your fingers over burlap or corduroy. We can perceive the roughness in our fingertips, and likewise, we can perceive roughness in sounds. According to Susan, the card reader sound that Connor heard has a burlap quality. It's got an acoustic component of roughness, so that's a little bit dissonant, and it's known to be annoying, uh, especially if it's really loud. It's very, very annoying. So immediately you're getting people stressed. On some level, getting people stressed is exactly what that noise was designed to do. If you don't want people forgetting their credit cards, you can blast them with an abrasive noise, so they rip the card out just to make it stop. But that's just one way to do it. The more nuanced approach would be to figure out how to get people to do the exact same thing, but with a pleasant sound. That's coming up after the break. Congratulations to Ray Perez for getting last episode's mystery sound right. That's Goro from the original Mortal Kombat game. He also appeared in two of the three Mortal Kombat movies. I am Goro, general of the armies of Outworld and prince of the subterranean realm of Shokan. And here's this episode's mystery sound. If you know that sound, tell us at the web address mystery.20k.org. If you guess it right, you'll be entered to win one of our super soft t-shirts, either in gray or blue. And if you'd like to just buy one, head to 20k.org shop. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The way we experience sound is a lot like the way we experience touch. Nice sounds often feel soft and smooth, while unpleasant sounds feel harsh and rough. In the early days of credit card chips, card readers used a loud buzzing sound to remind people to remove their card. But there was another credit card processing company called Clover who was trying to solve this problem. I was looking at different companies to work with at the time, just very interested in the space. And sure enough, it was kind of serendipitous, actually, that Clover reached out to me. Connor took the meeting and got the job to redesign Clover's sounds. The way Connor described it, Clover's challenge to him was to help change the behavior of their users without annoying them. For years, shoppers have been swiping their cards, but these new chip machines require you to insert your card, leave it in while it's being approved, and then take it out. For most people, this was very different. 
Add to that the regular stress of shopping. Imagine trying to learn how to use a chip machine in a crowded department store on Christmas Eve, and you can see how easy it would be for a shopper to forget their card. You kind of really need an annoying warning tone to remind you to take it out. But Connor didn't want to be annoying. According to Clover's Creative Brief, the company asked for smart, efficient. These are things they wanted to communicate to users. To achieve that, Connor broke down the warning tone into three parts. First, he started with a warm sound, one that feels familiar to our ears. Second, Connor added a digital mallet. This is a sound that's rough enough to grab our attention, but not disruptive enough to startle us. The point of this is like, hey, don't forget your card. You know, like seriously, don't forget your card. And the third sound adds some fullness to the warning tone. That's especially helpful in a noisy place, like the crowded store on Christmas Eve. And when you put it all together, It has a bit of urgency, but it's not overkill. Sound prompts us to move. Again, this is Susan Rogers, the professor of music production and engineering at Berklee College of Music. She says sound is effective at prompting action. And in part, uh, sounds prompt us to get out of the way if it's something that we associate with danger. So that means there's a tightrope you have to walk when you're designing a sound. Those burlap sounds, repetitive, dissonant sounds, can drive people crazy. Things that we find annoying do ramp up our stress level. And in a high-stress situation, cognition is impaired. It's impaired because your body has released cortisol. And so your, your primary objective is to want to calm yourself down and to get away from danger. That cortisol spike is part of our evolutionary fight-or-flight response. And it's something for designers to consider as sound becomes a bigger and bigger part of our environment. Designers probably don't want their users to constantly be in a stressed out state. So Susan proposes a different approach to thoughtfully guide users with sound. This gives users something familiar to latch onto. Design sounds that are these auditory icons are inviting us and perhaps prompting us to move in a certain way. It's like the lock sound on an iPhone. That sounds like a key being turned, or it sounds like a lock being clicked. It's an auditory icon. It's representative of the action that you're taking. When an interface element looks or sounds like something in the real world, designers call it skeuomorphism. For example, when a button on your phone looks like a real button you might encounter on, say, a home appliance, that's skeuomorphic. It's a helpful technique to communicate how something works to users. When it's done right, it can be very effective. Users know exactly how to act without having a bunch of cortisol pumped into their bloodstream by an annoying sound. This is the approach Connor took to another sound he designed for Clover, the sound the machine makes when a user inserts their card. He was inspired by the satisfying click of the chest strap on his hiking backpack. Connor took that buckle metaphor and ran with it. So when you insert your card, you have this skeuomorphic sound, essentially, that I fully recorded in my studio. And then one day, after going back and forth with revisions and then delivering his designs to Clover, he heard his work in the wild. 
Connor walked to a cafe a couple minutes away from his studio for late morning coffee, and sure enough, they were using a clover machine. He took out his card, put it in the machine. Once the transaction was approved, he heard... The sound did what it was supposed to do. It reminded him to grab his card, but it didn't interrupt the conversation. It's always an exciting moment to hear your work out there, you know? And it was cool to just think, you know, what are other people thinking about this particular experience? And I wonder what the reaction will be. But still, you know, it sounded pretty good. I was, I was tempted to ask if I could, you know, hear it again, but obviously I'd be charged, so I didn't. <laughs> Connor kind of got to live the designer's dream. You see, or in this case, you hear some example of bad design in the wild, and then you get to fix it. But sometimes for sound designers, the challenge is not to revise a sound, but instead to create a brand new sound experience, one that never existed before. Connor got that assignment from Waymo. Waymo is Google's driverless car project. And the thing is, it's basically silent because it's an electric vehicle. So to make electric cars safer, the government requires car makers to create a fake sound for their engines to say, okay, there's something coming towards me, right? The federal rules are super specific. The sound needs to play until the car hits 18 miles per hour. The sound has to have a certain volume. The sound has to include bass, mid, and treble octaves so that it's audible for people with some hearing loss. Really, the easy solution for all of this is white noise. but that's not a pleasant sound. So functionally speaking, that checks the boxes, but how can we do it tastefully that meets these particular requirements? So Connor's solution was to make a sound that matched the aesthetic of the Waymo car. Cute, bubbly, and friendly. And on top of all that, he designed it to sound like Google. So hey, these were composing the key of G for Google, right? <laughs> so... So here's your G. Connor chose a progression of notes that mimicked the acceleration of a car. As a car increased in speed, the notes went up the scale. Again, it was bringing something familiar and human to a brand new behavior. Trusting a car to drive for you. A, B, C, D, right? So it just has this pleasant feel to it. And the final result sounded like this. The resolution, once it passes through all these different harmonics, is a G major. Right? Even though Connor's job is creating sounds, there are times when he says adding sound might not be the right answer. I often get clients looking at me kind of like with their head cocked because I'm talking myself out of work sometimes. But it's really about, you know, thinking long and hard about like, okay, does this product really need 20 sounds? Like maybe it could use three. Audio is a powerful tool, so you have to use it sparingly. Connor gives this advice for user experience designers. I often say that these experiences are made up of three components, visuals, haptic, and sound. And you don't always need to use all three because you don't need a sound on every button. That's actually going to drive annoyance um, for people, and it's actually going to drive people away from using products and apps. The other day, I was walking through the farmer's market in Union Square in Manhattan, grabbing an apple for my lunch. I pulled out my credit card. What's the minimum, what's the minimum charge for a credit card? $100. $100? Yes. American? Yes. <laughs> Not minimum. 
<laughs> After I realize she's joking, she pulls out a little card reader. The sound it makes when my transaction is approved is pleasant, but not demanding. It got the job done. It's good design done right. The world of audio notifications reminds us that design is in a constant state of change. Design isn't even purely visual anymore. With the world of smart speakers and the vast array of audio notifications that have become a part of our lives, the total user experience now includes these sonic cues that we can't even see, and most of us barely notice. But just as with the visual world, the key to making audio work for us and to feel actually humane, that requires a design sensibility. It's a willingness to question why, to try new ideas, to examine carefully how real people respond to those ideas, and to repeat that cycle over and over until the solution is right. So whether or not you can see it or hear it, it's all design. This story came from Wireframe, a podcast about creativity and design. The original episode was a production of Adobe and Gimlet Creative. Subscribe to Wireframe right here in your podcast player, or click the link in the episode description. 20,000 Hertz is produced out of the studios of DeFacto Sound, a sound design team dedicated to making television, film, and games sound incredible. Find out more by following DeFacto Sound on Instagram. Wireframe is hosted by Koi Vin and produced by James T. Green, Amy Standen, Laura Morris, Matilde Urfalino, and Abby Razika. Rachel Ward is their editor. The show was mixed and sound designed by Katherine Anderson, with original music by Billy Libby. Their theme music is by Peter Leonard. Thanks for listening. 